0: This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Saviana Moya. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. What is food insecurity? According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, or USDA, food insecurity is a lack of consistent access to enough nutritious food for an active, healthy life. This evening, we'll hear from Kendall Chavez, the Food and Hunger Coordinator for the Office of Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham, discussing food insecurity in New Mexico and the Food, Farm, and Hunger Steering Committee. And, GJ member Madhumita Sambanam brings us COVID-19 testing and vaccine information. Our first song of the program is Them Belly Fool by Bob Marley and the Wailers.
1: Them bellyful but we hungry. A hungry mob is a hungry mob. A fall, but it's not tough. A yatta yuk, but you're not enough. You're gonna dance to your music, dance.
0: Kendall Chavez received her Bachelor of Arts degree in Environmental Studies from San Francisco State University. She has spent the last decade working in New Mexico's local food system. Most recently, Kendall was a farm to school specialist at the New Mexico Public Education Department, where she worked to center fresh, local, and cultural foods in New Mexico schools. Kendall Chavez is currently the Food and Hunger Coordinator for the Office of Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. Now, GJ member Adriana Cordova
2: speaks with Kendall Chavez. This is Ariana Cordova with Generation Justice, and I am speaking with Kendall Chavez, the Food and Hunger Coordinator for the Office of Governor Michelle liu Welcome, Kendall, to Generation Justice.
1: Thanks, Audie, for having me. Excited to be here with you. Yeah, of course. Uh, could you please share more about yourself? Yeah. Um, so again, my name is Kendall. I have been doing Local food systems work here in New Mexico for just over a decade, and I've had the really, I think, special opportunity to see the food system from almost every angle. I haven't actually been a farmer here, although I do grow food, but I've worked in a school cafeteria, I've worked in a classroom, I work for nonprofits who purely focus on advocacy, I've been in the government side of things, and now I'm in the policy sort of legislative legislative space. um, it's just really, we're in this very, very exciting moment in time where I feel like all of the pieces are coming together in this very idiosyncratic, like really impressive way. Um, and yeah, I feel like for me, my ability to kind of, as, as the food and hunger coordinator, my main role in the, in the governor's office is to oversee this initiative that we'll get into today, the food farm and hunger work. But I also oversee all of the other food and hunger initiatives. If a community is having an issue accessing food that's my job to be on it. Um, If a farmer is having trouble accessing resources, that's my job. Um, And so my role is really to connect the dots between the hunger work, our food work, and our ag work across the state. And previous to coming to this role, I worked at PEG and ran the farm to school program there and did sort of back of house nutrition um, review work, which is not the most fun work in the world, but it was interesting to learn how food service directors, you know, the really intense really bureaucratic, really policy driven and like rule driven world that they're in, like why we can't serve better food to kids as an example. So I was able to see that from the sort of administrative side of the house. And then um, before that worked with an organization called Food Corps and worked at Kirtland Elementary in Albuquerque. And so I just, I've kind of been all over the place and I come from a farming community. I come from a family who's um, you know, worked in the fields and worked in food processing plants and also um, on the other side of the coin have, have owned, you know, large swaths of land and hadn't done ranching and things like that. And so food's just kind of like in my, in my being, as much as i tried to get away from it, I am now 33 and still doing food work. And so um, I'll stop there, but um, yeah, it's, a, it's been a real blessing to be able to see the work from, from almost every angle. Cause this, the food system work is so complicated and so complex And so community specific, there's not like one way to do it and there's not one answer. And so, um, yeah, it's just been a, it's been a gift to be able to see New Mexico's food system from a variety of of perspectives.
2: Thank you so much for sharing. And could you please tell us more about your work and then the Food, Farm and Hunger Steering Committee
1: and uh, possibly what was the process to put together the committee? yeah so the food farm and hunger initiative which I'm going to use that broadly and what I mean by that is the this food farm and hunger strategic plan that the governor asked um, you know our office is, is leading alongside 12 agencies spanning from you know public education department to the Department of Agriculture to the early care and education department to Department mm-hmm. of Health to even like the department general services department who does procurement and so we're large large diverse group of agencies um, And for us, knowing how complex the food work is here in New Mexico and everywhere, but specifically here because it's so tied to land and culture and place, we knew we couldn't do this work without community. And so I was hired in early June um, and was sort of asked just to figure it out, um, which is a typical sort of challenge that you you get, especially when you work in government, is just you just got to figure it out as you're doing it. Um, And because I've been doing the work here for so long, I have a lot of contacts. And so um, we've been meeting with about 250 people for over 18 weeks, for eight hours a week. Um, I think I have the number here in front of me for about 135 hours total, over 55 meetings between June and November to really like distill what the challenges are and then what we're going to do and how we're going to move forward. And so... The Food, Farm and Hunger Steering Committee was a combination of farmers and ranchers and nutrition professionals and food service folks, um, community organizers, people who like do food justice. And then also some of you know, more conservative folks who represent like farming and ranching from parts of the state that don't necessarily, um, we'll just say that not all people in the committee see this work in the same way. And so our job through this community participatory process was to find like the, the few gems that people could agree on um, as things that were critical to moving New Mexico's food system forward. So that's been the, the sort of community process and the last month or two, we've been in the sort of taking this like web of brilliance and then putting it into a plan. And so we're a bit behind on the plan, but we're excited to get that out in early spring after the after the legislative session. Um, the only other thing I would add, Adi, is that um, alongside the steering committee, we did a handful of focus group interviews, some of which were done with Generation Justice Youth and some of our partners across the state who, may not have had the time or capacity to participate in weekly meetings. We know that like people that can attend weekly meetings for two hours a week tend to be a bit more privileged or are paid to do that by through their nonprofit or through their job. And so we did a series of focus groups, um, inform key informant interviews, and then also did ongoing presentations to tribal leadership in partnership with our Indian Affairs Department. And so that was sort of the, the structure or the process or system that we worked with. And it's not perfect. And there's still a ton of more work to do um but that i think is how that's a quick snapshot of, of the the process that we engaged in for the work
2: and i'm excited to learn um and see how this plan ends up um, becoming and it's great that you're um all taking the time to listen to different perspectives from different people who live around the state um and there's this particular part about the mission that really caught my attention. Could you please tell us more about the mission of your effort that includes honoring the wisdom of our land-based traditions?
1: Yeah, thanks. I will, if it's if it's okay, Audie, I'll just read it for folks. So they can hear the whole thing. Um, it's to cultivate a just food system that measurably reduces hunger, provides equitable access to nutritious, culturally meaningful foods, and honors the wisdom of our land-based traditions. And then from that mission, There's four key goal areas, um, community food, New Mexico grown, supply chain and sustainability, which we'll get into a bit more later. But I would say the honoring the wisdom of our land-based traditions was a assertion from a lot of our partners that we can't continue to do food and agriculture work in this state without really recognizing and giving power and prioritizing tribal and indigenous and Indo-Hispano perspectives on this work. I think when people typically think about New Mexico agriculture, um, well, some of us, right, it's, it's a very, it's this massive juxtaposition. There's the tiny farms that produce most of our food in the central and Northern part of the state. And then there's the massive commodity or larger farms that are exporting most of their product. So when you look at New Mexico's ag as a whole, I'm sure you've maybe heard this talking point audio um, in your research and the work you've done, That we, you know, it's like three in the billions is our, is the income that's coming in in the state for ag. But within that, if you look at the data, it's quite a bit more granular, right? Like 95% of that product is going out of state to the Netherlands, to Canada, to China, um, and those foods aren't grown for New Mexicans. And so for me, where I sit, that's honoring the the very small micro farming operations, you know, under 10 acres and subsistence farmers that like grow food for themselves in their communities, that those folks in a lot of ways grow in concert with our climate, they understand the use, the, the use of water, the appropriate use of water, they understand what types of products to grow and they understand that keeping food local is, that is that is the best food system that we can possibly have. Um, and then couched, you know, alongside that. Um, and if there was a hierarchy, I would say above that is really honoring indigenous wisdom around how to grow food and how to produce food again in concert with our climate. And we have some partners who, um, you know, have been very, very close, friends and colleagues for a very long time who are actually telling us that this isn't enough, that we actually need to lean more into traditional uh, traditional ecological knowledge and really take this a step further. And so my job is to, again, find this place of balance between the many different perspectives while protecting this, just the reality that native and indigenous people have been growing food here for forever, right? And so Mm -hmm. um, those are the folks that really should be leading the way and have been modeling so protecting soil and protecting water and really conserving our resources in a way that other communities could really learn from. So that's a very long-winded way of saying that's, that's what that last part of the mission means to me. And again, just to say that you know some of our partners who have been doing this work for a long time think that that needs to actually be a little bit stronger.
2: And I think that's amazing making sure um, to include and place this emphasis upon the cultural um, historical value that our state has Especially among Indigenous uh, groups. It's just really, you know, really important to make sure that they get the recognition that they deserve for all the work that they've been doing for a very long time. Could you please explain the steering committees' recent preliminary findings?
1: Yeah. Um, And Adi, if you don't mind, I have to say too, like, just to make it clear, you know, we had a lot of work group members, a lot of partners who, um, you know, again, tribal and Indigenous knowledge and also knowledge that's native to this place that may be more like Indo-Hispano is a lot of that's the way a lot of our partners talk about themselves and their work. And, you know, the acequia system and looking at the way land grants are, ma- are managing their own food systems. And so just wanted to also make sure that's that's mm. in in our conversation um, and recognizing how you know how diverse um you know farms and food system and food production looks in New Mexico. And so I just had to quickly add that in. Um, So the plan is a bit behind. We were hoping to get the final plan out, you know, before this interview today, before the legislative session. But I think the like for me, the preliminary findings, what we heard from a lot of people, it's like the typical, you know, our the pieces of the food system. We have to look at production and aggregation, and who's going to be eating the food, and do our do our communities know how to prepare and cook this food, and like all the pieces of the food system that you typically hear about. The things that really jumped out at me um, as very as special and critical for for folks to understand with the with this food farm and hunger work, but also food system work in general here, and I, I think this is unique to a place like New Mexico. You know it's like again these investments in the growing the food and transporting the food and getting it to the place, and then the person eating it. But it's also this real focus on like community in place and community ownership and that's what we heard loud and clear from our partners is that. This sort of state government state approach to food system investment is important New Mexico, I think, right now. A legislator made this comment the other day the state is currently investing just under four million dollars in food and hunger work okay when you look at how how like how massive the needs are that's it's just it's it's that's not where we need to be in terms of financial investment or the prioritization of food and ag in new mexico's just like what we prioritize as a state um and so what we heard from our partners is that we need community control and we need community agency and there should be a two-way communication stream between communities anywhere in the state and state government and that that should be an ongoing conversation and that while state government has the power to really move things quickly and move initiatives quickly like we need to be working in tandem with community so that piece is absolutely going to stick as a preliminary i guess a value or just the way that we're going to approach the work we have a a ton of um preliminary tactics around getting healthy, high quality local food to families who may not be able to afford it, right? Through innovative approaches other than just like, so we had double food bucks, which is a dollar for dollar incentive for local food. What would it look like for the state to pay for a fruit and veggie prescription program for tribal communities so that there's a bit more money going into families' pockets so that they can buy local fresh when possible, but at the least fruits and vegetables to accompany their, what the food that's already coming into their household. The other another value that was um, that will be wo- woven through all of our, our tactics and strategies is this sort of focus on traditions and culture as a non negotiable in the way that we approach food system work here. So as an example, it's great to have a um, a FDIPA program on a pueblo or on the reservation, but like how can the state help support those programs to be more culturally appropriate foods and again local and more fresh when possible. Equity was is a huge piece of the conversation. And that's, I know that's that's the way that you all approach your work too. Um, our work groups did a ton of thinking about like who are the priority populations and like who is this work for? And so really making sure that any investments any dollars that are going into programs or new programs like that fresh fruit and vegetable program that I just talked about need to be focused on those people that need it most. Um, In state government, we tend to do like blanket strategies across the state and just hope that the resources will make it to where they want, where they need to go. And so being very thoughtful about, um, again, really targeted investments in parts of the state that need it and want it most. And then I guess the last thing I would add is a commitment to sustainability and climate resilience and care of land and water. Um, What's interesting about food and ag work in this state is that while agriculture is in one of our top, I think maybe five to seven industries, it uses irrigated agriculture uses 77% of our water. So like that, that sort of, again, juxtaposition and that tension between us wanting to grow more food for New Mexicans and keep that food here, paired with the fact that ag is using most of the state's water is something that we're continuing to grapple with um, through this this food farm and hunger initiative. And so um, the preliminary findings for year one, we have a a almost $25 million budget package that we're excitingly moving, um, working with legislators um, with for this coming session, which starts tomorrow, legislative session um and they're purely budget but i guess what i want to say too is the the plan and what we heard from our partners is that it's not just money it's again it's empowering and giving power to communities to have a voice within their food system and in the way the state is approaching food system development another example would be requiring a school district in a very rural remote part of the state and requiring them and giving them financial resources to serve as many school meals as they can so that kids have access to warm healthy meals at least three times a day and over weekends and really requiring our institutions to do that and to step up and really be a part of our, this the sort of um, solution to food insecurity in our state. And then also looking at administrative shifts. So government just doing work better. Um, NMDA being more responsive to small scale farmers needs as an example, or um, our procurement code shifting so that it prioritizes local farmers versus big out of, out of state. Um, Uh, corporations. So just, so the, so the plan itself and the strategy is budget um, legislation and administrative shifts. And this year, our preliminary findings and our our approach for this coming fiscal year is purely, purely budget and getting more money into these really critical programs. So expanding our healthy soils program, getting more local food into schools and more.
2: It's, it's great to hear that um, there's not only this emphasis on Um, on your mission from a financial standpoint, but also from the standpoint of what will best help the individual. I think that's wonderful. And how will this address hunger and food access in New Mexico?
1: So I think, uh, well, we're, we're in the, in the interim or in this moment, we're expanding critical programs to get food to hungry people, food insecure people. And so food access for me as somebody who really deeply cares about this work and people who I work with our work group members in the wider committee, food access is great. We need to get food to hungry people, but you know, climbing up that ladder, how do we make sure that that food is as high quality and fresh and local and really community driven as possible. And then continuing to really invest in our, in our local food systems and supporting farmers to sell it to the school next door, the senior center next door. So the other piece to that is as I mentioned, really targeted investment. So making sure that the, the you know, we know the exact census tracts in the state that are have the most, the highest food insecurity rates, making sure that they have access to these programs first and then moving them out to communities that have are having less issues with food access. Um, the other piece is, and it's sort of a mid and a long-term strategy, but also find, you know, investing financial resources and grocery stores and food outlets and places in the state that don't just don't have those resources right now because of the way that the traditional financial system works. Um, You know, getting a grocery store in in a Pueblo that might want one or helping get a new trading post in a part of Navajo Nation or a grocery store or our new food hub in the Eastern part of the state and the state really stepping up and helping invest in those resources and not kicking the can down down the road or asking the federal government to to really pay for and subsidize these really critical investments that we need for the state. So I would say in immediate, we're going to increase the amount of food getting to hungry people as a, as a sort of step. That's, a, that's the first thing we're going to do. But also alongside that, making sure that again, that food is as high quality and fresh and local as possible. Um, and then continuing to in, invest in local farms and ranchers to feed their own communities. We hear uh, a lot of our work group members were did come from larger agricultural operations. And we heard over and over again, like they want to keep their food in New Mexico. And so us mm-hmm. figuring out how to support the really small, again, the, the small farms, the acequia farms, but also these large farms that want to keep their, their big commodity crops here and feed, and they want to feed New Mexicans. And so balancing that, which is more of a, a medium and long-term strategy.
2: And with these um, these goals that really uh, center the community, how will the lingering pandemic now... In- impact hunger and the report outcomes in new mexico
1: the way that food insecurity is measured is actually it's it's proxy data for um poverty and for unemployment and so i guess I i have to mention that while this plan is really focused on food system investments the root cause of this is one of the root causes is poverty right and so the pandemic is obviously going to continue to negatively impact hunger and food insecurity in our state because well a, that's how we measure it, and B is just basic principle, right? If you have less income coming into the house, you have less money to spend on things like food. Um, we know that before the pandemic, New Mexico was already one of the most vulnerable states in the in the country, especially for children and for seniors. Throughout the pandemic things have gotten a little bit better we're actually the second fastest improving state in the country in terms of food insecurity rates at the um, community level not necessarily at the childhood um, child food insecurity level and even if we return to the pre-pandemic level that's still highly vulnerable um the you know almost 27 percent of our of our children are food insecure right and so we're still we're, we're not we're not doing enough um so from my perspective the pandemic what it did is it did also help shine a light on our supply chain, like the just the failures of our supply chain. So how, we, how food can get to really remote tribal communities that may not have access to you know, basic road infrastructure or folks that are just like off the, the main data drag, we don't even know where those people are. And that became very clear during COVID. Um, and I think the other lingering impact is this sort of reliance or, yeah i guess reliance would be this but reliance on like hunger relief and emergency food hunger relief mm-hmm. and that's going to be another i think a philosophical and like sort of spiritual thing that we're going to have to shift is again it's not just about getting emergency hunger relief to hungry people meaning commodity products like processed bread and rolls and like whatever is like excess in the food system that it, it's really our responsibility to make sure that those that those foods that are getting to families are are of high quality and so that's more of like a a philosophical lingering I think piece that we're going to see across a lot of our of our partners and our stakeholders and our families is just like this emergency response. Um, But we're in this moment where we can really move to like, really innovate and use this as a as a catalytic catalytic moment to like improve and invest and innovate our food system and so. Um, My hope is that we don't linger too long in that sort of again that emergency sort of mindset and that we we really lean into what the future needs to look like.
2: Can you please tell us how the community can be more involved.
1: Yeah, so I would say um, any any community members that want to that want to help us with our current legislative work with the fiscal year 23 budget um, and really helping us increase investment and expand some of these key programs that we're very excited about. Um, you know, getting food boxes to seniors again, getting local foods in our preschools and our senior centers and our schools, um, addressing college hunger, which is another huge, huge data point that we know from the last two years. Almost 30% of our college students are, are are food insecure. So, really, really critical programs that we need now, and they need to be reoccurring. These are, as we all know, hunger is a hunger and like food insecurity are complex, comprehensive issues that are not going to be solved in one year. And so that's one way community can get involved is just talking to your legislators and um, just if you have a story about your own hunger, food insecurity, or your own sort of commitment to, to our food system, or somebody in your family who's experienced this, or a friend or a colleague to really help share that story to your legislator. These are issues that we're dealing with now. Uh, we were dealing with before the pandemic, we are dealing with even more in this moment, and we will continue to deal with without really, really strategic comprehensive investment. Um, the other piece, because the plan's not done, um, we'll be doing the finalization of the plan over the next two months. And then from there, we'll be continue the community, we'll continue to do work group meetings probably quarterly um, and we'll continue to sort of update and adapt the plan based on community vision and community need. The other piece that I wanna mention that maybe at a later time we could talk about, um, one of the core, pieces of um, our goal for around sustainability is developing food and farm councils at the community level and the state again providing financial resources for community members to help facilitate that and then have facilitate that two-way conversation between a very small community and the state and to keep that keep that going keep that rolling and keep improving our our food our food systems work so that's another piece that we're excited to roll out later um, likely not until the summer but we look forward to partnering with you all to get that message out um, would be the three things I would say in this moment and just to like continue to do the work people are already doing in community growing food thank the person that's that's making your kids school lunch or that's serving you food at a restaurant or that's um, you know running the you know is your checker at a grocery store like food system folks in general if you look at the at the system as a whole are usually the least paid least respected and most overworked of the entire of our entire sort of economy and so just you know spread thanks spread gratitude.
2: Of course I think it's always important to note that this is a statewide um that this is a statewide effort and that um the community does play a role and important to note how exactly the community can help um, with these sorts of causes and this cause in specific. As we wrap up is there anything else that you would like to add?
1: I think the last thing I wanna say is, it's just really an all hands on deck. Um, Like we need need everybody at the table to really move the needle on hunger and food insecurity and to really invest in a, a food system that actually works for New Mexicans. Um, you know, if you're doing something amazing and we're, and noteworthy in your community, like we want to hear about it. And that's the other sort of approach to this is really highlighting what's working in New Mexico and scaling that or sharing that example with other communities to see what they can pull from it. We have everything we need here to feed ourselves and to really make this, this food system work for all. And um, I guess just the last thing I would say is just, it's, this is really a, a community approach and we need, we all need each other to to again address this really comprehensive comprehensive problem so that is the last thing i would add thank you kendall for joining me today and sitting
2: down and talking about this work that you do and um, i'd first like to thank you purely for the work that you do i think this is a very important cause and it's great to see you know the role that you play and um, thank you for doing that and and I'm also thankful to just have learned more, you know, it's, it's really just impactful for me to hear personally that, you know, this is something that I can play a part in. You know, this is something, you know, like you said, all hands on deck mm-hmm. and something that's very important that we as a community, um, not only just in Albuquerque, but in the whole state, um, to take the initiative and make sure that um, people are getting the food that they need and people are staying healthy, especially during COVID um, and this pandemic that we're currently going through. And I just, you know, like thank you so much for coming in and sitting down with me and telling me and our community more about what you do.
1: Thank you, Adi, you all are the future, right? And so we're excited to continue to work with you on this initiative and yeah, look forward to making sure that the work really reflects what you all wanna see. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited about the, the next phase and hopefully next time we talk, I can give you more specifics about what's like the nuts and bolts of the direction of the plan um, when we're when we're there in a few months. And so thanks, thanks for the time today.
0: Thank you, Kendall Chavez, for informing us on the importance of food insecurity in New Mexico. I learned a lot from this interview, like how important it is that everyone has access to not just food, but nutritious and local food. Our guest, Kendall Chavez, wanted to share this song with you. Here is Sueño en Paraguay by Chancha Villa Circuito. Welcome back to Generation Justice. Now, DJ member Madhumita Sintanam shares updated COVID-19 testing and vaccine information.
3: Thank you, Saviana. COVID-19 cases are on the rise and it is important to stay safe and get vaccinated. We need to work together to protect each other to end this deadly global pandemic. Booster shots are now available to all eligible New Mexico residents 12 years and older. If you haven't gotten vaccinated or if you need to get your booster shot, you can visit cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. That's cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. Testing is essential to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and variants like Omicron. At-home COVID-19 tests are now available to everyone you can order yours by visiting usps.com. To place an order, fill out your contact and shipping information. Remember, there's a limit of one order per residential address. One order includes four individual rapid antigen COVID-19 tests. If you need to get a PCR COVID-19 test, you can schedule an appointment at curative.com. Again, that's C-U-R ative.com. Don't forget to get your COVID-19 vaccines, follow COVID safety measures and get tested to help stop the global deadly pandemic. Now we share two global collaboration songs about healing and being hopeful during the pandemic times. Here is Heal by Star Music followed by We Are One by Dream Stations production.
0: Hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action we'd like to thank our guest Kendall chavez tonight's hour of radio was produced by roberta real with production assistance from barbara ramirez and additional support from angel baker guillen and thank you to our interviewer ariana cordova we want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers we cannot do what we do without you Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from Cona elma Health Foundation and the Annie E. Casey Foundation. And of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Our last songs of the night include Semillas by Makako featuring Lila Downs and Mother Earth by Waki Kuna, an indigenous band from Ecuador. I am Saviana Moya, and coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night, New Mexico. Nos enterraron, pero se olvidaron que somos semillas.
3: Soy semilla.